ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. How you doing today, Doug? Good. How are you? Well, I just wanted to welcome you here today, ATV Talk, and uh, talk a little bit ATV racing, a uh, little bit of ATV industry, a little bit of Doug Eichner, you know, where you come from, what you're about, where you've been, what you're doing now. I don't know. don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> uh, nope, just been, uh, just been enjoying life, uh, spent a lot of time with my boy Devin, and uh my girlfriend Robin, we do a lot of hiking and uh, mountain biking, and of course, going to the desert and riding the sand. Me and Devin, and uh, having a lot of fun there. And so, you've never stopped riding? Oh no, oh no, probably never will. Do you prefer? Because uh, I know you have a two wheeler as well. Do you prefer the two wheels or the four still? Man, I really, I really like the two wheeler, um, but I feel more comfortable on the quad. And then the UTV is fun for a little while, but I'd still prefer to be on the quad or the dirt bike. When you were uh, racing the uh, quads and then transitioned into the UTVs, is the, is it the same for you, or is it is there a massive difference? Um, I would say it's 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 not a massive difference. There's a, quite a bit of difference. The the big difference is that the you got to be a little more gentle on the UTVs because they. If you run them too hard, they break really easy, pretty much. Um, so, so you can outdrive the car very Pretty easy. much, yeah. yeah that's, that's pretty much what I did most of the time was outdrive the car or, or run out of talent, one of the two. It was either checkers or wreckers for me <laughs> on the UTVs. If we go back in, in time a little bit, you raced motorcycles as a young man, and you also raced three-wheelers. Yep. I started racing motorcycles when I was eight years old. Went to uh, my home track, which was Wash Hugo Motocross Track, and uh, and raced motorcycles up until uh, the first uh, ATV came out. Um, not the first one, the first 250R to ATV uh, three-wheeler. In 81? Uh, no, uh, 80, the one I had was the 86 250R. Yeah, you get, you got the second year of air cooled yeah. or water cooled. Water cooled. Yeah. Second year of water cooled. In 81, they came out in, in air cooled. Yeah. With a drum break. <laughs> yeah. For all the, for all the people that don't understand three wheelers and where we are with history, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that understand how far back this goes. And I mean, you rolled into the, the water cooled air of the three wheeler. Yeah. And I was racing 125 Pro on a dirt bike and borrowed a friend's 250 to race 250 Pro also and was out practicing one day, just caught a rut on a jump wrong and like did the biggest knack-knack pancake, flattened out the bike that they do nowadays, like no big deal. But back then it was a big deal. Ended up crashing, dislocating my shoulder. And uh, so there I am, 135 pounds, and I'm trying to figure out how to pick this bike up with 250, a 250 dirt bike with a 
with a dislocated shoulder. Back when they were made out of steel. Yeah, when they were really, where there were boat anchors. And uh, uh, I could see my house, and if it was my bike, I would have just left it and walked home, but since it wasn't my bike, I really couldn't do that. So I ended up finally getting it picked up and then getting it started, and I rode it home and told my dad to go, hey, I, I think I dislocated my shoulder. And he goes, oh, he looked at it, he goes, and he was an EMT at the time, he looked at it and said, Cause yeah, I think we need to go to the hospital. So we jumped in the old truck and drove to the hospital. And, uh, and that pretty much ended my two wheeler career. Uh, I pretty much had crashed enough on a two wheeler. I uh, broke my leg several times on a two wheeler, um, collapsed the lung and broke two ribs and, and Dude, this is starting to sound like a portion of your ATV career as well. Uh, well, I rode ATV a lot longer, but <laughs> not faster. <laughs> but uh, so so then I I got got I gave the guy back his two fifty, and and I uh, actually sold my one twenty five, and didn't do anything for five or six months, mainly because I was healing up, um, and then. Uh, I was bored to death, so I bought me a 250R Thriller and uh, just had fun on that. I think it was so fun just to play ride and stuff. I, I, we get snow up there, and, and I took a set of car chains and cut them down so they fit on the, the knobbies, and, uh, and it iced over up there, and it was just, I mean, the, the snow was about two feet deep, and you could ride right on top of it and with the car chains on it. Man, that 250R would go like a bat out of hell in a straight line. And uh, couldn't turn very good, but it went bad out of hell in a straight line. I throw a rooster tail about 20 feet up in the air. It was so cool. <laughs> I'd go around town. The cops were chasing me. They couldn't catch me. It was so much fun. And uh, and then I uh, I ran into a guy at WKO Lumber Mill where I worked. And uh, I rode my 250 Archer to work a couple bunch of times because it was real close to the house. And uh, after I graduated high school. and. And uh, so I was, I, uh, and what year was this? This was 86, 86, 87. I just want everybody that's listening to realize there were (laughs) ATVs before 2000. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, he was electrician there at WKO, kind of a new guy. I'd never really seen him before. And, and he comes up and goes, hey, is that your thriller downstairs? And I'm going, yeah, because I parked it right underneath where I worked. I ran the, uh, it was called the Big Horizontal Resaw. Um, and uh, mostly got most of the crap wood to resaw into like two by fours or maybe one by fours mostly and and stuff like that. So, but it was a pretty hectic job and pretty uh, pretty loud. But anyway, um, he goes, hey, I, we have, I belong to the Hood River Thriller Club and we're getting ready to go to Sand Lake. You want to go with us? And I'm going, you know, I didn't know the guy from Adam. So I said, Oh well, yeah, sure. Why not? So he gives me the address to his house and whatnot and his phone number and says, well, come up Friday and we'll load up and go to Sand Lake. And so I go, okay. And so I drove up to Hood River and met him at his house and we loaded my thriller up on a trailer and stuff. And, and uh, then we drove downtown, and he wanted to stop at the bank and get some money out of the bank machine. So he stopped at the bank, and he's over there fiddling around, fiddling around. And I'm going, what's he doing? How did it take so long? And 
And uh, finally he comes back shaking his head and going, man, that damn bank machine ate my gas card. <laughs> I'd look at him and go, oh shit, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but the bank machine took his gas card, so he didn't have any gas cards. But we went to Sand Lake and we had a great time with the, with the Hood River Club. And I, I, I rode around with those guys for a couple years, just play riding, having fun. And, uh, and got the itch again. And so, so, uh, Washougal was just starting to race quads and thrillers. And my buddy, Kevin had a quad and we decided that we would go down one Sunday and race Washougal on a thrillers. And, uh, so the night before, I think it was a Friday night, cause I was working swing shift at that time and the Friday night and I, no, actually it was during the day. I was working days then. Yeah, never mind. Um, I smashed both of my hands with a, on a, with a forklift because it broke down and I was trying to fix it and smashed both of my hands and broke both of my middle fingers and smashed the other ones out. They were all bloody. So I had both my hands in kind of casts. And uh, so I couldn't go race Sunday. So Kevin borrowed my thruller because it was, had a pipe on it and had better tires and whatnot. And he went down there and crashed and broke his collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I sold the thriller like the next week and bought a 250R and started racing the 250Rs. And uh, that was the best, funnest bike I had and uh, got involved with uh, uh, Bart Fannisville at Oregon Motorsports and uh, yep. Arlen Lehman at LRD. Got involved yep. with those guys. And, and uh, then they started taking me around to, you know, the we started going to low races and as I have been doing already. And, and, and then, uh, we, as we got further along, we started doing coming down to San, uh, San Diego and California and doing races down here. And then we got into the Mickey Thompson series and, and, uh, started racing the Mickeys and kind of when I ran into you guys, Duncan racing. Yeah. We, Bart was a big customer of Duncan racing at the time. Yeah. And, uh, Arlen, was friends with Lauren or spoke to Lauren quite a bit on the phone. So th there was a relationship there. And uh, I believe Bart contacted Lauren about sponsoring you, didn't he? I think that was the original how it set up. Yeah, I, I do believe that's how it was. Because um, I think uh, Bartman thought I could get more help from you guys and then and, and, uh arlen was giving us at the time but you know he was just a one man kind of show and right he was he was just starting out just yeah, small yeah you know small. almost kind of like he is now you know, <laughs> starting over again yeah yeah i mean it, well you gotta you gotta be you gotta be where you are in your level how did you become a fabricator um i just learned how to weld in high school and and for some reason, you know, I, I could gas weld. And so I built a lot of the LRD pipes, hand comb pipes for Arlen, because that's why I worked for him when I was racing for Arlen and Oregon Motorsports. I built a lot of the hand comb pipes. I built almost uh, way back in what, 80, 88 and 86 or 87, 88, mm -hmm. 89. I built a lot of the pipes for or LRD. Right. And, uh, so I gasped all those and, and you know, you kind of pick up things as you're going along and, and I learned how to, I already knew how to TIG weld, but I did more TIG welding there. And then, then the job came available with uh, JP racing. Yep. So I went over to JP racing and started racing for JP racing and LRD and Oregon motorsports. And I did, I welded a, like 
most of uh, his A arms and swing arms at the time. I did did a lot of JP stuff too at the time. Did for for them. Um, and we started getting to, into the frames too, and later on in in the uh, in that with uh, JP Racing, and so the, and he was in Washington or Oregon. He was in Oregon. Right, but that's where Bart and Arlen was too. They were both in Oregon. And you still lived in Washington? No, I I had moved in with Bartman. I lived with Bart. He had a uh, room downstairs in his basement, and I lived with Bartman and uh, in his uh, in his house. Him and Janet and Alex, which is his son. Um, and you know, we went and did a lot of things together, racing and stuff like that. And Bart was really good guy. It really, I still is a good guy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah I don't get to talk is. to him much, but. Yeah, he just lost his dad a couple of weeks ago, so I I know his how he feels and but uh so been talking to him here and there off after, uh since that happened um but yeah, he's still a good guy, he's still still happy old Chuck 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 happy Chucky Bart, <laughs> so <laughs> Chuckle Bart, but and then and then Mark from Leggers and then yeah, once 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 uh once uh we were got tired of uh getting our paychecks on Fridays from uh, from JP Racing, and we would race to the bank and see who could get there first so they could get their checks cashed <laughs> and make sure they get there where there's still some money in the bank. Um, and JP Racing started going, uh, following Chapter 11 or something like that and going out of business and whatnot. So I had heard of Lager in California, and so I called up Mark Lager and talked to him a little bit, and he said, how soon can you be here? And I go, well, I'll I'll be down next week. And so I tied up my loose ends up in Oregon and, and uh in Washington and and packed my little Toyota pickup up with the quad and whatever else I could get in it, which was, was that which red was, Toyota pickup you used to have? My red Toyota pickup, yeah. yeah and uh and whatever else I could get in there not which is not much with a short bed Toyota with a Extra cab and and a quad in the and back. a quad in the back, so then drove to California and been here since. <laughs> and and that was ninety two. Yep, ninety two when I moved down here. And we started, we started sponsoring you in ninety two. Then because it was you started with Lager and then you started coming to us in ninety two as well. And that's when you and I started working together. Was back then. Yeah, it was easier to have the motor builder here in California where I was and and uh, helping me out with everything I needed help with. Yeah, and it was it was all new because we were doing Mickeys mostly and but yet we would still go back and do some nationals. Yeah. You know, and, and uh I was working with you and Lauren was working with Earhart. Yep. You know, back in the back in the fun days when when I think it was a, a, a totally different style of racing and a totally different group of people you know i mean i can't say any of the people that i met now are bad but and it was <laughs> it was pretty cool back then yeah it was more is more i don't know i want to say out having fun um you know a lot of people didn't really take it that serious as 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 a lot of the riders do nowadays they train you know you know, almost every day and, you know, a lot of the quad riders and stuff and train every day and the dirt bike guys and, you know, a lot of more training than what we did back in the days. And I mean, we'd, I'd be lucky if I rode twice a week back practicing, trying to stay in shape. I'd be lucky to do that. 
Right. So just because, you know, had to work and had to make a living and and ATV racing wasn't paying the bills. Yeah, and ATV racing just didn't quite pay the bills. <laughs> so your championships before 93, which we'll get into the, the 93 season in a bit, but your championships before that, there was some Golden State stuff. Yeah, I won a bunch of Golden States and a bunch of stuff up in Washington, Oregon, too. Um, did that. Um, and you keep you and Lauren keep giving me a hard time about not being a mechanic. And I say, well, I won some championships when I wasn't involved with you guys, too. So I can rent <laughs> yeah, on a bike. Who was working on your bike then? I was. <laughs> so. Uh, that's too funny. Well, it, it, it's a different level because it evolved. Yeah. It's evolved so much. It has. You know, I mean. A lot. I mean, it's a lot more, you know, it's more factory almost now, but it's still, you know, the. the it's went back to independent factory. I mean, you still yeah. have to have a higher level uh, involvement in, in building the machine and, and making the machine, being able to work on them and, and do some of the development work. Your sponsors, your Spashot guys, your A-arm guys, your motor guys all have to be involved with your program now. Or it's a struggle. You can't just be an independent guy rolling out there and, and making it happen. Yeah, it's really hard to do. Really hard to do it that way. Got to have a, a lot of help. Be, well, back in the in the old days, the riders were better than the machines. You know, I would have to say that in the early '90s, that the riders could ride the machines harder than the machines could could handle. And we had to evolve through that. Now I believe the machines are better than, than the riders. Uh, you know, they'll go as fast as they, as you want to turn the throttle, they'll just keep going. Uh, you know, however you want to hit the turn or how, half, how, how far you want to jump, it, it, it's all there. Yep. Depends how much skill you have or how big your way was are. <laughs> A little bit of both, right? Yeah, it helps. Well, what town did you grow up in Washington? A uh, little town called Carson, Washington, which is about... 45 minutes up the Columbia River from like Portland, Vancouver area. Beautiful area up there. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's real beautiful. I I totally miss it. Um, I just miss seeing all the green. Um, down here is a lot of brown um, <laughs> and hardly no rain. But that's one of the reasons I moved out of there is because I got tired of the rain because it was just too much. <laughs> it rained all the time, could hardly ride. I know, I know when we were traveling with the work series and we'd get to go up there. I remember the, the, the first year we were doing works back in 2002 and we got to go to Washougal. I remember how excited you were oh, yeah. and how awesome it was that we, that I got to see the, your home area because we, we got to go and, and hang out with your, your buddy, Kevin and his family. And, uh, we got, to, you, you know, you took me over to your dad's house and I got to see where you grew up. Uh, it was it was it was pretty awesome, and you, you showed me around a little bit. I really enjoyed the gorge. I, I miss I miss those days of racing because you were always going. You weren't home, but you were going home. You were going someplace where you were always welcome, and everybody was nice, and it was it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and for the most part, when the weather was nice up there, you couldn't beat it. It was you know wasn't too hot, but it was nice and warm and yet all nice green trees around in the air. You can't see the air. So down here in California, you see the air, you breathe it and breathe it out. And so, but uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely refreshing to go back home. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoyed it up there. Um, 
as you roll through your your racing career, you know, and we went back into the into the eighties and talked about some of your three wheeler and and two fifty R days. You got to transition from the two stroke to the four stroke. You even rode and won a Mickey Thompson race on a Banshee, which nobody ever thought could ever happen. And that was in uh, '95. Yeah, um, that's the third race on that bike on the Banshee. We, we second or third. Race. I think that Banshee was the best legger Banshee ever built. It was. It was, it was we, awesome. Yes, it was. I wish I still had that bike. We 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 did some. We won a lot of races on that bike. Yeah, we did. You know, three championships and one Mickey's and. And pretty much the same thing. We ran over, not, not exactly the same, but close to the same. We ran in Pontevoo and Yep, it was similar. Yep. Similar. The intakes were a little different, you know, and the shocks evolved in time. You know, some of the chassis setup changed a little bit from, you know, PEP shocks to uh, white powers. Um, I don't know. What, what other brand did we run? I ran some Oleans on there, didn't I? No, I don't think we ever had Oleans on there. We had we went to Axis after White Power, I think, didn't we? Or would Custom Axis? It might have been Custom Axis. Yeah, you know, it I think might, so. might have been uh, because yeah. I think it was PEP and then White Power. Uh, because I remember we would shake our heads because the White Power guys would work on those things, and that that Banshee worked really good with those White Power shocks on there. Oh, two fifty R didn't work that bad either. I mean, I mean, it got you um, that year. It got you number five. In the Nationals. Yeah, and the only reason I got number five is because uh, I couldn't TT. I mean, I could motocross really good, but they uh, combined, combined the TT and the motocross together. So You say that, you say that, but you podiumed on the TTs. Once or twice. You but... did it twice. I mean, you'd win <laughs> yeah. on the Banshee, and, and you podiumed on, podiumed on the 250 um, in... Uh, Boyd? No, and uh, you podiumed in Danville, Virginia. Well, I started to pick it up. I mean, my mechanic, he got a little smarter on setting up the bike and how he had to set up the sway bar and stuff like that, you know? I mean, well, you had like, to teach your mechanic like, how to read. It, has, it, was like, it was like beating a rock on a on another rock, but we finally got <laughs> some sense into him. And But he did a great job. And, you know, we, we were both at a learning curve as far as TT racing went. We yeah. both didn't know hardly anything about it and it was it was that like i said a learning curve for both of us to figure out how to make the bikes run really good where shane hit and and timmy far and those guys were just they were miles they were, in front yeah they were because, miles in front of us because they had they had ra raced tt or dirt track their whole lives and and it yeah. was second nature and they had people that they had people in their groups that had done it and and had information on it and we were west coast guys that that didn't have anything to do with it and didn't know anything about it yeah, yeah, we were definitely uh, behind the eight ball on that part. <laughs> learning how to set a sway bar up and learning how to do some things like that. Tires, it, it, tire, what tires to run and what air pressure and and just you know how what how to set up the shocks to keep the bike nice and low and level and level. Yeah, yeah so you're getting traction, traction all the whole time. time. Yep, uh, that was probably our most challenging. I think was most challenging portion about it was was the tt portion because every time we went to a motocross track you, you were competitive yeah you know? yeah i always did good on the motocross tracks and like you said i was you know top five if not on a podium you you know or on top of the box even so if you had to go back to a memorable a memorable race whether it be the open class or whether it be the 250 pro class which which one was your most memorable um Far as back east, yeah. Um, well, I guess it has to. It pretty much has to be Redbud. Um, 
where I won the Open Pro class and the 250 Pro class. Mount Morris. Mount Morris, yeah, Mount Morris. Okay, I, I think. Red Bud is where we went to the that's, hospital. That's where we went to the hospital, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, to, not to change it up on you, Doug, but. But uh, yeah, Mount Morris, that's what it was. Um, I liked that track, I really did, and we did really good there all the time. Um, I, 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 every time I think of that, I think of, you know, winning both classes and Gary Denton saying, I ate so much dirt that race. I don't think I'll have dinner. And I just <laughs> thought that was the funniest thing I've heard. <laughs> Here's where we got to say goodbye to producer Eli. Eli. I see you again. It's been too long. Come back. We can't stay so long. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. Um, yeah, that was a great, that was a great day. I really, I, I remember as we went through the process of testing that day, because you made me earn every bit of that first place, because when we got there, we started changing things on the bike and we went through motor combinations and pipe combinations. I think we changed motors a couple of times. I know I changed the pipe freaking at least 10 times because every, you wanted to try everything in the trailer. And that just, that just wasn't Doug, you know, usually we rolled it out of the trailer and raced what it was is what it was. And that day you just had something under your saddle. You wanted a different, you wanted a different combination. And we put a combination on that bike from what I remember that we had never ran with a different carburetor and a different exhaust pipe. And we never ran that combination again. It was the only play, the only place uh, and and it paid off, you know. Yeah, you just used to just give me the bikes and say run them, boy, and that I wouldn't have you know didn't have really anything to say, and uh, so unless it was bad. No, I didn't even say anything was bad. I just made it work. I had to, uh, that, that, you know, that that we were we were talking to 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 uh, Garen Fuller back uh, uh, an episode or two before, and he got taught how to ride stock suspension and stock A-arms and you did too as well so the evolution into actually suspension that worked was a great thing and then you went and rolled it into a Lager chassis with long travel shocks and and a CR500 link and and a, a totally different handling machine from what a stock 250R was yeah just like you know, saying back a while ago, where the machine has advanced so much now, where you know the it can do whatever the rider wants it to do, it and has more. It just the rider, you know, has to be able to ride it because <laughs> the bikes are so much faster and work so much better nowadays. Well, you've got to transition from, like we talked said earlier, you transitioned from the two-stroke air with the 250R, the Banshee, into the four-stroke where you rode a, a, a KFX 450 and a KFX 700 in for a season in works. And then you transitioned into the 0405 Honda. Um, and that's, uh, you also rode up to the different motor combination in the 06 version Honda. Um, into a KTM while well, you rode Polaris and KTM. So you, you've had a full gamut. I think you even rode a Suzuki at some point in there too, didn't you? I rode that Kawasaki 900, was that thing? Yeah, the 700. The 700? <laughs> you won a, you I, won, won a I, I won a works race on that 700 Kawasaki yep. in Washougal. Automatic belt drive, <laughs> you know. Yep. One gear, get on it and go. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a mud race. Yeah, it I, remember, I remember that day. We're struggling to figure out what we're going to do because the water was so bad 
And the only one that was protected that we felt would live through the muck was the 700. You probably would have won on the 400 as well, but it would have been a struggle because of the, the thickness of the mud and the, and the water that was on the course that day. Yeah, it nearly gets soupy and wet and, and heavy mud up there. And they started us at the bottom of the hill. Mm, yeah. And you had to ride up through the muck. And I don't remember if you hole shot at it. Yeah, I hole shot at it. Yeah, because you did the thing was a tractor. I love that bike. Because it was a, it was a hand on the helmet, out of gear with the bike running, and then you just put it in gear and go. Which you were already in gear. I was already in gear. I'm sorry, I can't take it out of gear. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when the flag dropped, I left. <laughs> Ended up hole shotting it and leading that whole race. It was it was a, it was a great day because <laughs> uh, Cycle News magazine posted a picture of it with you winning you know and it's a motorcycle magazine and and the kawasaki guys had it put on the on the cover of the magazine which was pretty cool yeah yeah they were pretty happy that big old tank won the race and yeah i got to race them i got to race them the next year um when you were transitioned to the honda 450 and i rode the, the kawasaki 700 the whole season um which i ended up getting second in points but it was a, it was a, it was a great learning curve, and, and it was a, it was a fun machine to ride. Other than when I wrecked one in Utah, and, you know, brought it home in pieces. But that was just that was just a quick little easy tip over, and just destroyed the whole bike. Yeah, they're a little big and heavy. They turn over. They get to breaking things real easy. <laughs> yeah, they broke the wheel off of it, and and I'm looking at it, trying to figure out how to get it in the back of the truck, and Doug just starts it up and drives it up all broken, just drove it right up into the truck. You know, and trucks all shaking and you know, thinking we're thinking we're going to freaking lose the truck because we had to stand one up. We had, we took two 700s with us. I think you rode one the same day that I did. And uh, we had to stand one up and, and drive the other one in the back. And we drove the broken one into the back of the truck and tied everything down and drove home from Utah. <laughs> yeah, we put many miles on the road together. That's for sure. That was a lot of a lot of fun, too. I actually really enjoyed driving and traveling and seeing you know different parts of the world and the country and what you know driving is one of the things Ocean. i enjoyed also oh yeah well we got to drive back into tennessee and and into texas and you know we got to go to michigan there were so many cool places we got to go to new york north uh, upstate new york oceana yeah yep. you know we had that big money race yeah i mean there was there was some lot of cool things that went on if you had to go back and rate some of the machines that you rode comparing, you know, the old school technology to the new school, you know, where, where do your feelers come out in, in bikes that you liked and didn't like? And, 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 you know, would that Banshee match up to your Hondas that you rode or does the KTM overshine everything? I mean, you, you know, you got to ride a Lobo 250R, you got to ride a Lager 250R. I didn't even think you rode a Banshee with R mods on it that wasn't an what wasn't an aftermarket frame. It was a stock frame. I think you did some work on one of the some races on one of those as well. Well, we did those on the Pontevu. It was all standard, all frame. standard frame. The Pontevu races we did. Um, I, I mean, there were so many good bikes. I mean, at the point in time, you know. I, when the two fifty R first came out, I just loved the bike, and it was so much fun. And 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 you know the two stroke. I want to say, kind of on and off light switch, 
um, that they were compared to the four strokes nowadays. Um, I, I enjoyed the 250Rs. Uh, they were the great bike at the time. And then, then when we rode the Banshee, which was a light switch, um, except for when I had Duncan Racing, you know, do the motor for me and, and actually almost like detuned it a little bit. So it wasn't such a light switch. So that it didn't light up the tires on the TT track or the motocross track or, you know, so it got traction and went. Um, the Banshee was a fun. You think that was, do you think that that change in the power was due to the way that the pipes were built so that it would give it more roll on four strokey power? Uh, that, and I think the way that Lauren ported it too, um, mm -hmm. and did the, and the carburation on it too. And, and, uh, all that, you know, made a difference. And, but the Banshees were a fun bike to ride too. Um, they didn't, you know, didn't handle as good as the 250Rs, except for the Lager Banshee that I had. Um, it was designed off the 250Rs and so it handled really well. And it had a, had a, a, a zingy motor in it that was just a rocket ship. It was fun to ride. And then uh, nowadays you get into the four strokes and you know, they have evolved just so much nowadays. And I, I really enjoy the four strokes. Um, now, um, I have a 250R, Lobo 250R, and I don't even hardly ride it. Um, uh, just cause I, I enjoy riding the, the four strokes better. Do you think that, do you think the evolution of the four stroke rolling in off the two strokes, you know, from 2003, where you want to work title on a 250R to 2004, you won it on a KFX 400 to rolling into 2005, uh, when you were on a Honda 450R. Well, excuse me, I'm off on my years. It's, it's 2002. You won the 250R on the 250R three. You won the KFX four, 2004, you won it on a 450R and five, you won it on a 450R. Um, do you think rolling from the two stroke era, into the four stroke extended your career? Um, sure. I mean, uh, like we said, I mean, uh, I would ride about anything and any, everything and make it work. You know, whatever you guys would give me, I'd ride it. And I just, you know, I love to race and I love to go out and ride. And, and that's just one of the things that kept me going was just an enjoyment of being out there and having to, uh, to race against other people and the challenges of going out and winning and beating them, you know, yeah. the camaraderie or of people that you meet at the track too. And most people are always nice and, and, uh, you know, fun to talk to. And your, your favorite track of all time. Don't say what you go because that's, that's cheating. Cause that's, that's your home track. And you, you, you've traveled from coast to coast. You've been overseas. You've raced, you know, in other countries. You've raced in Mexico in the desert. Um, I don't know if you've got, did you get to race in Canada? No, I never did race in Canada. But you got to go to New Zealand, I believe it was, didn't you? Yeah, went over there. And you raced in France. Raced in a bunch in France. Um, I don't know. Uh, probably have to go back to, to Mount Morris is, you know, one of my favorite tracks just because you know i won both both the open pro and 250 pro there they had that they don't have it anymore but they used to have those three huge tabletops in a row and you'd come right to the exit of the track the driveway to go to the starting line and and exit the track where the finish line was there was a tabletop and you'd land 
and you'd make a left-hand turn, almost a U-turn, and it was right there at the exit of the track. So when the race ended, you'd roll off that jump and roll right back into the pits. And I remember, I remember more of the open class. I, I, I mean, I got hit in the throat with a dirt clod in the pro in the 250 pro race and couldn't talk. Uh, God, that was a nice day. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Uh, and, and, but I remember when we would stand up there and root him on over those big tabletops and, and you'd throw a knack knack because that's when the knack knack was in and you'd throw a knack knack and, uh, and everybody that was still at the racetrack would, would cheer and, and, and get excited. You even got some of the pro guys in the 250 class would come out and watch that because that Banshee, when you rolled the throttle on, it just made it made the bitchiness noise. I mean, I yeah. just love that deep throaty two stroke grunt that the that the Paul Turner silencers made. Exactly, it sounded so good, and it didn't it didn't sound like any other banshee really. It, you know, it almost sounded like a two fifty R on roids. You know, it just it was it was it sounded cool, and uh, and it went. And I, I enjoyed the, uh, they had that step up. It was kind of like a step up. It was like a, you went down in the big gully and it was like a three tier. It was a triple uphill almost, which is, it was quite the leap back in those days. And, and then you made a sharp right, right after that and went back down the hill. That was one of my, that was one of the funnest jumps back in the day on that track. Cause it was a, it was a challenge to get up over it with a 250R and, not so much with a banshee. It, it, I don't it, think you ever had a challenge on a jump with a banshee, did you? <laughs> no, not really. It uh, that thing worked so well, and and uh, and I always had plenty of horsepower to get out of the corner quick enough to get enough speed to get over about anything I wanted to. In your days of racing, you've had, you know, your fierce competitors. You were you and Mark Earhart were were fierce competitors, even though you ran under the same tent for a while. You had you know, Charlie Shepard in the day, um, obviously Tim Farr and Shane Hitt and some of the guys from back East, but then you roll into the modern day and you get to, uh, guys like Joe Bird, who's an old schooler, a new schooler. I mean, he was around for quite a number of years. You had some run-ins with him. Um, and then you get out here onto the West coast and you have, uh, Josh Fredericks, who you and him had some epic battles in the works races. Um, what, uh, Where's the where's the guy that lines up for you as the fiercest competitor or the guy that you wanted to beat more than I know you wanted to beat everybody, but hmm. that one guy that sticks in your craw still today? Uh that probably have to be Joe Bird. Um that guy ran into me more times in one race than I've ever been hit in in the whole <laughs> year. Um and uh and every time I tried to pass the guy he would run into me and and so uh yeah, I just never. I and then uh, and then I pay him back once, and he calls us even when I ran him off the track once, and uh, he said we're even now. And I'm going really okay. You you must have lost count or something because I didn't. But uh, <laughs> I could I could see the look <laughs> in your face that you're still having a little bit of uh, a little bit of animosity there. Yeah, he was just too big for his britches. He just thought he was quite the quite the sh the quad rider and showman and whatnot but i mean he was a good rider i don't not gonna take that away from him. he was you know actually very he won well two, he won two 250 250 titles or two uh pro titles back in the and back east in the gnc so yeah yeah later in his career too you know it yeah. wasn't early yeah yeah but uh 
Uh, I mean, uh, I have to say, you know, one of the writers I have admired the most, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people do, is uh, is the old homo Gary Denton. Uh, <laughs> that guy. I mean, anybody would would he win eight, eight championships in back east in the nationals, and uh, and then it's like, wow, that's that's pretty. That's pretty impressive. And uh, yeah, I think. One of the first times I got the race against him was in a Mickey's race, and I crashed into him, took him out. <laughs> <laughs> does he remember this? I Is hope this... not, but he probably, he probably does. And I always felt so bad. I went over and said, sorry. We, I, he was in our heat race, and I, I caught him, and I was trying to pass him. And this was back when they had us jumping over the barriers, you know, yep. had the little dirt mound, and it was a real kicker jump out of a corner. And, and I don't know if I got into him or we got into each other, but as soon as we hit, I went across that barrier kind of side by side and caught and, and connected in the air. And we both came down and crashed and I jumped back up and jumped back on my bike and, and said, sorry, and took off and, and, uh, still qualified to make the main and he didn't make the main. And that's what made me feel worse. Cause he didn't make, he, you know, he traveled, I don't, as far, just as, as far, just as far as I had to come to this Mickey's and, and I took him out and he didn't make the main event. So I felt really bad about that. But, uh, I, I can remember watching him in the Mickey's and stuff and going, cause we'd have qualifying and he back in the days, qualifier. Oh, he was, and you would watch him ride and you would go, man, he's not that fast. He's not that fast at all. I go, that's not going to be a good time. What? He got the fastest time. And just because Gary was so smooth on the bike, it didn't look like he was going fast. But, you know, it's that old saying, you know, smooth is fast. I mean, yep. and Gary, Gary had that down to a T. And he would, I mean, that's why I, I tried to emulate him and, and, and uh, do the same thing and try to ride smooth and like he did. And I, I could do it a little bit, but not anywhere near as what he could do. I'm kind of bulldog my quarter most of the time i would say but legends of the sport the guys before you the guys that after you so far who do you who do you like nowadays i know you still follow it a little not as much but a little uh you know windham and hetrick they're 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 phenomenal i mean and windham's so he's i mean he's a big boy and he's getting up there and he's still you know he's still charging out there so he's doing really good and i'm just you know, impressed by him. Hetrick's a little bitty guy. And Hetrick's a little guy and, and rides a super fast Honda and, and stuff. And, and, uh, but yeah, I'd have to say, you know, Wyndham is pretty, he's pretty amazing and pretty, pretty outstanding and quite the, quite the athlete and quite the quad rider, um, to be out there still charging hard on the Yamaha. So, so who do you want to, who do you want to see win the, the GNC championship this year. I know that there's the coronavirus thing going on and, and they're racing next weekend and they just had a, a woods race, a GNCC this weekend. And I don't know the, the final on that, but uh, who do who you, who you have favor in this year for uh, GNC? Well, me, of course. Well, uh, you, you got to get a ride back there first and somebody to build you a bike. I think I can find somebody to build me a bike. I just get a ride back there would be the hardest part. <laughs> oh, um, um, I don't know. Um, you know, I'd have to say, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a good battle. There's so many good and fast riders back there. Um, this nowadays, um, and young guys coming up, and I mean, I, 
I haven't paid that much attention. I don't know a lot of the names anymore, the young writers and stuff that are coming up. Um, I probably should. Uh, but I've seen, watched a little bit of, on TV here and there when they show it and still like to, en to enjoy that and remember the good old days. Um, but I mean, I, I'd have to root for Wyndham just because he's the old guy and, and, uh, Kind of just rooting for the old guy to do good. That's there's got <laughs> to be some respect there. Yeah, Patrick's a pretty fierce competitor. Yes, you know? he is. He is. He, the kid works really hard. From from the things I hear and the things you see on on social media, he's he's on the gas. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about rendezvous. Uh, you've been there many times. Oh, only you've, eleven. You, but you still hold the the win record. Do we? Yeah, you do. No, you we. Do. We well, we, we. exactly. Okay. Well, there you we. go. But you know, uh, one of the years that you went over there with the Travis, uh, Travis Spader, he got injured. Yeah. And uh, this was a moment for you winning uh, my brother's heart uh, as he still to this day can't get over how much you gave to that race that day because your partner couldn't ride and you rode three quarters or more of the race when you probably should have bagged it in. And on your last lap, you were as fast as you were when you got on the first lap. And it's you, I was ready for, near passed out when the race I was, was ready over. for it to be over. Because <laughs> last lap, I can do it. I got to finish. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't remember what place you guys got that year. I think you got second I, or third. I think we got third. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that was... That was a that was a tough race. That was probably one of my most grueling races, and and uh, yeah, Travis got hurt and he couldn't ride, and 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 I would stay out there and and ride as long as I could, and 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 uh, yeah, when I one time I came in after I think it was the first session. No, it, was the, it wasn't the night session. It must have been after the first session because I rode pretty much the whole first session i think almost and and it was hot and it was it was warm and and i hadn't drank enough water and wasn't really prepared to do that much riding and and uh yeah i came off the bike and i i just found some shade and i just went towards the shade and laid down and just wanted to wanted to relax wanted to catch my breath and and try to recoup because i knew that we had two more sessions to go so well, I remember, I remember, you know, you and I have, I've watched some of your epic, epic battles and I've seen you in action and I have always had the utmost respect for you, but to hear it from my brother who doesn't really give accolades to anybody ever, uh, speak so highly of that ride and, and so highly of you after that, you know, the gas tank that you have and the heart that you have to never quit has always stuck with me as something that was, was a pretty awesome thing. And, and I would have wished, I wish I could have been there. I was very fortunate in 93 to be there for your first rendezvous win and uh, you and Mark Earhart. And with 12 minutes to go in the race, I held up the, you're the champion uh, plaque to you. I don't even know if you remember that, but when I gave you the pit board, the race was over. There was 12 minutes to go on the clock. We had 12 minute lead and or a 12 lap lead and we couldn't be beat three minute lap times. They just couldn't beat us. It just was impossible. And no matter what, you could have got off and pushed it and we would have still won. And nobody at that given time believed that we dominated that much and that well. And, it, and most of the times when we did have victories over there, they were domineering. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the guys that I rode with over me, me and Sweetheart, Mark Earhart, um, we we definitely dominated those guys every time we were together. Um, we were we were a good team over there. Uh, we fed off each other, and 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 I think you know he was trying to beat my fastest time most of the time, and he was and I was trying to beat his fast time, and 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 it just just made for a good team and a good camaraderie uh for us out over there and and uh and yeah we we definitely uh put it to him quite a few times over there me and mark uh do you know how many times do you remember how many times you rode with mark i want to say four or five i think maybe four because you've ridden with paul holmes you've ridden with uh uh, Mark Earhart, you've ridden with, um, well, I can't remember his name, the little short, bald guy. Yeah. Uh, Winrow. When Paul Winrow. Paul Winrow. And John, uh, what was it, John Mitchell. Or John Mitchell. And. Did you ride with Paul Holmes? Or was it John Mitchell? John Mitchell. I confused him. Yeah, yeah John Mitchell. And. Uh, who else did we ride with over there? Well, we ended up winning it. We won it seven times. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and like you said, that that has not. I been, think you won with each yet. guy. You won with Mark. Yeah. You won with uh, the only one you didn't win with Ta was, was Travis Spader. Because he only went one year, to my knowledge. Yeah, I do believe that's right. Yeah. So, Winrow and you won. I know that, and in '96 that we took first, second, and third, which was a, a pretty a pretty amazing feat. Yeah, take yeah, three bikes, phenomenal year to take the whole podium, take the whole podium off. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was those were some memorable things, and I wasn't even supposed to go to that '93 race. It was Lauren, and something came up in his life with it, with his with his uh, soon to be wife or something like some. I don't even remember all the details. He bought me a plane ticket and sent me over there, and. And we had a great time, uh, Martin Fletcher and 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 yeah, Philip. Philip Charles and Martin. They were always so fun to hang out with, and 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 uh, we we'd get first started going over there, um, and they would come pick us up in a big charter bus. I mean, a like a Greyhound bus, a lot nicer, you know, one that that the it people travel travel along, you know, along the roads and whatnot, and and uh, they used to come pick us up with that. But after we started winning and kicking their butt, we, they stopped doing that. I don't, don't really understand why. But well, <laughs> you know, the the French promoter in the beginning paid the Americans to come. Yeah, and then they started getting offended because you guys kept dominating, and and now you go over there, they sound test you, they freaking penalize you. I mean, the last time I rode uh, in two thousand five, I got a two minute penalty because they didn't wear gloves. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, give me a break. Why am I getting a penalty? I know in 2001, yeah. I went over there with Yamaha of Italy and uh, Alessandro Caminini, and we won first four stroke and got fifth overall. And I believe you won, you won that year as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, they started to getting on our cases too, towards the last part of the years that we were going over there, they would, you know, shake their finger at us for going down pit road too fast. And then they would, you know, they were giving us a, bunch of different guff for stupid little things um i can't remember there was a couple of little things that they tried to dock us time for and 
and one of them they did and the other one we got out of or something for somehow somehow but but uh yeah i remember them they were they were definitely tired of us coming over there and, and winning all the time what what form of atv racing or racing in general because you've raced three wheelers two wheelers four wheelers utvs what haven't you raced that a that i don't know about or what have you raced or what do you still want to race? I know you're 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 still pretty young for a for a hundred years old, but you know, um, I don't have as much gray hair as you. But um, <laughs> I uh, all the stress you put me through. Oh, you never had it so easy. <laughs> um, I I still enjoy. I mean, it's been what three years ago we went up to Washougal because they were Stradaline? doing no to Washougal. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Right. We went up there because they're having a quad, a quad, a cross, quad cross up there, yeah. and uh, and Devin, my son, has never ridden Washougal, and I wanted to go up there and ride the old track one more time on a quad because they're letting quads. They don't let quads there at Washougal too often, so so uh, I wanted to go up there and take Devin up there and let him ride, and I wanted to go up and ride the old track one more time, and and I took my quad and and. Uh, um, I just went to both of them, took Devin's quad. We, I put two of them back at the truck, stood one up like we used to always do. And I flew Devin up there and, and, uh, and I drove all the way up there by myself and, uh, and went up there and we got to race Wash Eagle. Yeah. Well, he was in school, so I couldn't take him out of school much, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, I mean, we went up there and, and just the track was just superb and, and, uh, they had a little bit of rain and mist in the morning and the and then the sun and then it kind of tapered off and the sun kind of came out in the afternoon by by the end of the day they were actually putting water on the track but but uh there was so much traction i mean you would come out of the corners just feathering the clutch because the thing would want a wheelie and and uh and that track was just it was it's just so much fun to ride and 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 just remember the old days and ride it on a two-wheeler and stuff like that and and uh, the hill was so muddy back in the day that my dad is trying to on a two wheeler trying to push me up the hill to get up the hill so we could keep going in the race and just remember a lot of muddy days there. But but uh, a lot of good times there though too. And and the sunshine and the track is just so fun to ride. You remember? Do you remember the day that we rocked the works? rule book rule. <laughs> well it's every time we went to racing wasn't it <laughs> well you know i believe if you're bending the rules you're you're, you're making headway and, and i don't think we ever broke them but we sure bent we sure bent a few we've been a couple of them they there's uh, lo- there, there's a lot of new rules in the book now there wasn't back when before we started i so. remember sean reddish <laughs> taking me aside and begging me not to do it and um you came up with the idea of studying the tires so we go to the hardware store and buy uh, you couldn't stud the tires because we didn't have the right stuff, but we could put um, self-tapping screws in there. And we had to, what we did is, and we're giving away secrets, but I don't think we'll ever have this problem ever again. No. The screws were too long, so you had to nip the end of them off and screw them into the tire so that they didn't poke through. Yeah. They left a more blunt surface in, in the rubber. Um, when everybody else seen it, anybody that tried to copy us, the only person that tried was Frederick's. Yeah, and he ended up having two flats, I three think. Three flats that day. Three flats that day. Yeah, he ended up two or three minutes back, um, and it was just so muddy. I have a picture of it, of the race, and there's this brown blob with your pit crew. Myself, I'm wearing the red, white, and blue Duncan 
pit shirt and there's Kevin there and there's a couple of your friends there and everybody's this beautiful <laughs> green grass, blue tarp and all the colors are, are sparkling and this brown blob and it's Doug, you know, it just, you were caked with so much dirt. I mean, it, we, you picked the only spot on the starting gate that was dry ground all the way to the first turn and everything else was underwater. And there were so many people so mad about that day. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of the motocross track was really good and fine and, and just awesome dirt where out in the woods, there was a lot of clay and that's just, it was like ice out there. And so, so that's why I thought, well, if it's like ice, we're going to put some studded tires on. So we just went to the hardware store, like you said, and, and bought some screws and screwed them in the tires and to, to get you around to the woods a lot better because the, the clay out there was so slick and the rain and it was just muddy and, and the, the studs worked great. And I can remember coming in uh, at my gas stop and I was so muddy, I was having trouble sitting on the seat and sliding off. And I tell my buddy Pat, He's got a towel in his hand. I go, wipe my ass. And he goes, what? I go, wipe my ass. And because I was sliding all over the seat, I couldn't stay on the seat. And uh, that's the only time I think I ever had any, a guy wipe my ass, but, but it was funny. He, he, yeah, he didn't know I, what to think about that. He didn't that. know what to think about that. <laughs> I, I just remember that, you know, Sean was not happy with us. And we had a big writers meeting and Brandon Brown threw a total fit. And you know, somebody's gonna lose an eye. Well, you got goggles on, dude. Really, I could shoot you with a BB gun and it's not gonna break the goggle. <laughs> so that that stud coming out of the tire is not gonna hurt you. It's not gonna affect your machine. And then the owner of the track come out there and go, Yeah, we run studded tires here all the time, guys. It's no big deal. We don't care. <laughs> and uh Yeah, Brandon Brown was always crying about something. Well, you know, it's just his personality. Yeah. You know, I mean, he wasn't a bad guy. He just he just didn't understand how it all went sometimes and he was pissed because he couldn't go as fast as you. Yeah. <sighs> But I, I kept the bike in the trailer <laughs> till, you know, maybe 30 minutes before the race, before I rolled it out there. And then freaking all hell broke loose. As soon as I rolled it out, because everybody knew something was up, because we always had the race bike sitting out. Everybody could see it. You know, it's all on display. And I prepped it in Kevin's garage the night before and got her all ready. And uh, we got there. I think we got to the track early and put it in the trailer before anybody's seen it. And uh, when we rolled it out there, the the, the crowd swarmed and <laughs> the, the accusations started and the screaming and the hollering. And 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 then and the sun was out at that point. And as all this transpires and, and happens, the cloud cover rolls in and it starts to rain. And the water had never not receded, you know, from the earlier rain. And... We go to the starting line. It's pouring down rain, and there was a delay. And I don't even remember what the delay was at this point. I think they had a motorcycle. They had some motorcycles stuck out on the course. They had to get off, and and then they, uh, then they got us going. And you hole shotted it and never looked back. I mean, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a, a race at that point. Really, it was after the halfway point. You just, you know, cruised to the finish. Yeah, lost most of the studs, but. They did. They served their purpose, and that's all what we needed to have happen. Yeah, there was a few left. I think we went to a couple races later because we used those tires at a different day, at a different race, and the, some of the studs were still in there. You know, gave a good chuckle to everybody, even though you're not allowed to run them anymore. Yeah, you know, no works race is allowed to run studs because of that. <laughs> yep, and that was 
That was your fault. Well, hey, you know what? I, I'll take the blame for any of the, any of the good or bad that happened in that era. Uh, it, it's been a real pleasure to sit and talk with you, Doug. You know, I've uh, I, I've thought a lot of you and the world of you for many, many years and and had a great run with you from 93 to 2007. And, and uh, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to come out and sit and talk with me today. And and um, I hope that everybody that's listening to the, this podcast enjoys it as much as I do. And um, thank you very much. I, I hope you come back and talk to us again here at ATV Talk. Sure. We need to get, you know, some of the old guys together, like uh, Garen's dad, uh, Brian Fuller, and, and uh, some of those guys and all together. And we'll, you know, sit around and talk and talk about the, the uh, old did days Did you ever too. get to race against Danny Prather? Um, yeah, a little bit out in the desert. Well, and you raced a little bit with Matlock too. So yeah, yeah. that'd be a good conversation getting you three together to talk some, some desert racing. Yeah, that'd be good. And they, they, they beat us, uh, by, uh, in the best in desert race by, I think it was 14 seconds, uh, for the championship. And so, yeah, that's been, that's been a, a bummer remembering that just, uh, getting beat by 14 seconds, uh, at the best in the desert race, but, uh, you know, it's racing. That's, that stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't win them all, but no, I you, try. Yeah. You got to try to win them all. <laughs> I just, again, thank you very much for stopping by yeah. and, uh, we'll get you, we'll get you in here again. The team here at ATV talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATV Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.